Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is James Lemon, founder of the mentor and networking platform Atollo at myatollo.com. Coming up on today's show... James takes the work-from-anywhere approach to a new level. Sitting in Wimbledon currently in the middle of the tennis tournament. Phil shares a dramatic story. I also nearly got killed there, um, so there we are. And James tells us of a particularly stressful day. And so I just had the craziest morning, unshaven, yesterday's shirt, bleeding hand, shaking like a leaf. All that and so much more as we chat through James's story and journey to date. James has a fabulous story having worked in large corporates and brand new startups. There's a phenomenal amount of content throughout our chat around the value of mentoring and the lessons you learn throughout. It's clear that James has founded something very powerful with Atollo. And we wish him all the best. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode every Wednesday, so make sure you hit subscribe and give us a like and a share across your favourite social networks. Let's share these amazing stories as far as we can. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today, we have someone who is at the helm of something which I think is just a little bit special. Partner and CEO of GrowthWorks, and now the founder and CEO of Otolo, which hopefully I've pronounced correctly, which is a free community for everyone who is passionate about building a career in hospitality. And with that, you are absolutely speaking my language. So welcome to the show, James Lemon. Thanks, Phil. Great to be here. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Good. It's uh, I'm in sitting in Wimbledon currently in the middle of the tennis tournament. Um, oh, which, nice! Well, for, actually, there? No, not actually there. You'd be able to hear a lot more background noise. <laughs> but uh, that would have been quite cool, actually. We had uh, that have been a first for the show. It would. It would. Um, yeah, it's a great time of year here because it's like a second Christmas. Uh, you know, all the decorations are up, the streets are packed, everyone's generally in a good mood, um, yep. and timed with somewhat opening of hospitality. It means the the pubs are full and. Uh, looking good and yeah people are having a good time so no generally a good week and certainly very busy at work yeah well I think that's since everything's reopened I think everybody is busy but I don't think anybody begrudges being busy for the right reasons yeah I agree Um, have you ever been to Wimbledon I have we went a few years ago probably when the kids probably pre-kids or when we could organize babysitting but we used to just turn up in the afternoon because typically a group, you know, a load of people actually head home after okay. they've had their corporate lunches, and you can just pop in, in in the afternoon and evening. Generally, not on the nights there are you know world class matches, but you certainly get to see some doubles or some of the younger guys. Yeah, yeah, some really nice nights there, and it's really relaxed. It's one of the few places you could still take your own booze and your own picnics. So you can just really? sit, sit on the grass and not spend a huge amount of money and have a really nice night. So yeah, I I'd I love to go back actually sometime. I'll get to get it organised over the next year or two. Yeah, it's still on my life list of of things to do. I've never never been, uh, but I know people who've who've been and say that the atmosphere is something quite unique. Yeah, they don't make it easy. It's also one of those things that, you know, you have to, you used to have to send, I think you still do, you send off a letter in November, You they send something back, you have to send something back by mid-December. So the tickets go to the incredibly organised people. And if you're, <laughs> if you're like me and you, and you just kind of turn up and want things to happen on the fly, it's probably not the tournament for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to get the wife on that then, because she is uh, super organised, so I don't have to be. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. So we're going to we're going to talk about what you're doing now and how that came about uh, at some point down the line of the conversation. But before we get to that, let's uh, let's go all the way back to the beginning. And 
I was looking at your your LinkedIn profile before uh, we switched the the microphone on, and you definitely got, I think, a really kind of interesting and weavy kind of career. And I mean that in a, a positive way. It's not your kind of typical career journey to this point. So talk us through, how did you get into hospitality in the first place? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good observation. I think depending on how you spin the story, you could either say, you know, I'm an absolute jack of all trades and have tried a whole range of things without any clear path. Or you could try and spin it that actually hospitality has been a deliberate career path since the year dot. So I'll I'll try yeah. that second one, and if it doesn't work, <laughs> we'll just we'll just say it was all just it was just all just random. But no, so I um so I I grew up kind of all over the UK. I was I was born in Devon. When my parents separated, I spent a bit of time with my mum and my stepdad in Wales, and then we actually settled on the Isle of Wight for secondary schooling, and you know not not unlike Wimbledon actually, what happens in cows on the Isle of Wight is that all the locals rent out their places for the sailors during the summer. And so we right. used to, I used to have to give up my bedroom, sleep in a tent in the garden and be up at five kind of doing cooked breakfast for groups of you know men and women who are then going out on, on racing yachts. So, yeah. so the hustle and bustle of hospitality is something that I've always seen. And, and just that concept of just constantly meeting new people, helping people have a great experience. You know, I, I suppose there's something I've always enjoyed about that but probably never never really kind of put two and two together until now having to think about it. I, I then went on to, you know, I worked Saturdays and summer jobs in, in a cafe on the Isle of Wight, making baguettes and working in the kitchen and filling sandwiches. And, and again, I think, you know, classic F&B environment, really. Very domineering owner-operator, probably in hindsight a little bit of a bully. Um, you know, lots of people who are there, you know, while they're figuring out what to do with their lives. Some people, you know, been there for 10, 15 years. People like me just kind of doing it part-time, just to bring a really eclectic group of people and a really great, great group of people. So I was kind of learning about different people's lives and how to run a small business and all the time serving guests and figuring that out. So that was, Mm. as I look back, I really enjoyed that. I never really thought about it as formative, but but probably was. I then went off and did really random things and that's where probably LinkedIn starts to kick in so while I was at at, at university I ended up falling in with a company that sell books door to door in the US called Southwestern so my summers were going with a team of people uh, a week's training in Nashville then literally flying out to some state in the US you know we did Washington State California Colorado Indiana over four summers you'd find yourself a place to live and then literally 100% commission you would just knock on doors and chat to families about these educational books that were in your bag right. and try and sign them up. It was, it was, they told you at the time what great life and sales training it was. Of course, you're like, yeah, but it's still 80 hours a week knocking on doors in the heat or the yeah, rain. Yeah, yeah. But That's actually, quite a lot of rejection, I would imagine. A huge amount of rejection, but a yeah. huge amount of rejection. Um, but it really did set a great foundation. I think I think if you've been through it, and, and there's obviously hundreds and thousands of people who have now been through it, and I'm still in touch with a lot of people I worked with, it does give you an amazing set of life skills around, I suppose, what we, what we now call resilience, but we didn't at the time, around the ability to chat to people and influence people and motivate yourself. So, so yeah, fascinating. So, I, But I, I hadn't really realized it. I was, I was having some basic lessons in leadership, but I was having loads of lessons in sales. Yeah. I then came back to 
the UK after I'd finished uni and, and, and my last summer of that. And I was like, right, I, I need to, I need to, I was ready. I need to take a break. That was, that was just too intense. I, I, I was realizing at the time, a lot of my friends had gone on to graduate schemes or really interesting, you know, internships. And I'd completely missed the boat on all of that. So here I was kind of 2022. 20, I was like, oh, I have absolutely no plan. I've done this sales stuff for a while. You know, I know how to make baguettes. <laughs> and that is about, that's about it. So, <laughs> well, so, you know, you, you, you know, you'll never go hungry. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Well, I think so I could do it from, you know, from the field to, to the plate. But I certainly, if, if I could find part-baked baguettes, I could probably fill them with, with some tuna mayonnaise. <laughs> so what happened then? So then I, I went back to my mum's place, got bored of that after a couple of weeks. It turns out I'm just not great at sitting around doing nothing. And so I literally packed up my old Golf with a load of stuff in the back. And I drove down to London from where she'd, she'd moved in Suffolk. And I still really remember it because I just pulled off the a12 for those people who know london and i at the first place that looked a bit like london you know there was start about the start of high rises and the start of tube stations and i was using the old london a to z at the time and i ended up in a little suburb called leytonstone which i'd never been to before and i right. found, found myself a place to live put my cv on the internet kind of monster dot code uk as it was at the time god yeah i remember them are they yeah. still going yeah i think I no, idea. no idea and and all i and all i was getting and i thought that's how you got a job and my phone, and then my phone started ringing, and it was all people who told me I would make a great recruitment consultant, and I'd never heard of recruitment consultancy before. But I, you know, it was kind of, do you want to earn, you know, do you want a job in two weeks earning forty grand a year? I was like, actually, that that does sound great. I, I didn't really ask any questions about skills or career opportunity or anything else. So, so that, that's I, I fell into that. I, I was recruiting strategy consultants for this company based just off the Strand, you know, suit to work and, you know, work hard, party hard, really interesting kind of kind of few months. But I very quickly thought this, this really isn't for me. I can't really see what I'd be doing at 30 and 40 that I'm not learned, you know, that I, I wouldn't be able to, ha- I wouldn't be able to crack in the next, in the next you know, year or two. It, I can see how you find clients. I can see how you find candidates. I can see how you bring the two together. I don't, don't really see what else there is. I think it's just because there wasn't a lot of inspiration around. There weren't, weren't a lot of people to learn from. Yeah. So I had to reset a bit. So I actually applied then, got my head straight, spoke to a few people and applied for graduate schemes. And so I, I ended up on the Unilever graduate scheme doing finance because I thought, well, I've got a politics degree and three years of sales experience. Uh, if I want to do something different, I need to get a qualification. So that, so I spent a great two years at Unilever, different parts of the business, getting my finance qualification, learning a bit about strategy and planning. And then I, then I started thinking, actually, I, I do really like the sound of getting into the travel industry, the hospitality industry. And so uh, it felt like an amazing fit when this role came up at Intercontinental Hotels Group doing strategy. It sounded really glamorous, right? kind of planning how, what a business does, thinking about brands, thinking about customers, you know, the idea of a company that's you know, in 120 countries around the world. I was like, yes, this sounds like an amazing, amazing place. And, and, yeah. and amazingly, I, I think, again, we'll, I think through some great mentorship and a lot of people giving me good advice, I think they, they, they took a bit of a punt on me, really, because I didn't really have that that profile but I obviously there was obviously something about my skills they thought this guy could probably grow into this role um and so I spent four five five really happy years at at IHG uh, mostly in in the London office a little bit in Atlanta had six months in Singapore and it was pretty much as you thought you do really interesting projects on what's coming next in hospitality and how the business can grow you look at some of the problems of the business and think about how you solve it across technology people brands 
Um, that does sound very interesting. Yeah, so it was really good. It was really good. I think in the end, the reason I moved away is because these big companies can sometimes, it can, it can be hard to feel like you're making a difference. You know, you spend lots of time in meetings, you spend lots of time kind of putting forward ideas and recommendations. And it just felt like it was a really big beast and, and couldn't always get a lot a lot done. So I got a call about a job at Travelport just down the road, which is one of the big you know, distribution systems connecting all the airlines and hotel companies to travel agencies and travel websites. And they had they were building a much smaller team just to focus on the hotel space for um, a couple of years. And they, they put, you know, almost set up a little business within a business. And, and I went in and led strategy for that for a couple of years as well. And that was, that was a really different experience because there were just kind of 50, 60 people to start with within this within this giant business. But we were kind of mm. allowed to do our own thing. So we went off and looked at buying a couple of new companies, how we could do things different. We looked a lot more at technology, which was really new to me at the time. But again, just just kind of enjoyed picking up new skills, really, and, 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 and kind of learning projects. Yeah. I then ended up running commercial strategy for, for the whole of the travel travel port kind of stepped away from just the hotels bit into the whole whole ecosystem that was really again really different working at a kind of uh, senior executive committee how leaders make decisions how they think about kind of long-term strategies of business that was good but I think by now I was really wanting to do something smaller again and and I don't know if this is a common thing I think it is I was starting to romanticize the world of startups you know there's there's a real innovative energy in hospitality right now around these these new fresh businesses trying new ways of doing things, whether it be running hotels a new way, running the technology a new way, um, yeah. operating new way. And I was like, oh, I really want to be be part of that. And um, it turns out if you've got seven years of ten years or so of corporate experience, it's quite hard to get a job in startups. <laughs> you're kind of pigeonholed as you know you're good at meetings and you're good at powerpoints and you know project plans, but you're probably not so good at the cut and thrust of a startup. But I. Um, after lots, lots of time kind of kind of meeting startups and volunteering my time just to kind of chat to founders and and uh, and try and do a bit of mentoring myself to, to some of these kind of kind of young guys setting up businesses, I found my way into a startup called Hostmaker, which was at the time it was on its way to being kind of Europe's largest um, home sharing company or uh, you know one of these Airbnb management companies. So we yeah. we would we had about two and a half thousand homes. All over Europe, you know, London, Paris, Rome, Barcelona, and, and more, and we basically looked after them for their owners. But we were trying; we, we were one of the first to try and really manage them at a hotel standard. So we were really trying to fit them out with, you know, great quality um, amenities and bedding. Obviously, getting the basics right around maintenance and tidiness, and just kind of give it a real kind of kind of four or five star experience, but in homes. So you would kind of you take that on on behalf of the owner, basically, and then be responsible for the management of it if you like yeah is that exactly yeah, right that exactly works, right. Yeah. full service management so kind of what websites it should appear on and the pricing that was the exciting tech stuff and then it was really okay well that's you know the day-to-day operations it was like it was like running a thousand one-room hotels all over london you know you'd, you'd have to figure yeah. out how to get them all cleaned and maintained and check people in and answer guest requests so i was chief operating officer of that business um which was a great experience because you know nice chance to help build culture and, and really rapid team building. I mean, we, at one point we were bringing on you know, 15, 20 people a week in different roles. And really wow. we were, you know, we, they just raised about $30 million in, in money. And so we were 
just at that super fast scaling phase. So really, yeah. really exciting nine months. Again, chance to travel kind of all over Europe. And, and, and I really felt like I found my stride there. And, and that was that was the kind of role I wanted to do. Unfortunately, as startups often do, wasn't wasn't a happy ending. Um, I ended up kind of leaving the business in December, just, you know, kind of different views to the founder. And the business was having trouble in a few in a few places just trying to do a bit too much with too too little and i think just a big lesson in, in focus really and ultimately that yeah. business ended i'm um, sadly ended up failing about a year or so later but at that point i was kind of you know cast adrift and 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 i had to do a lot of soul searching thought, well what next because i've now got all these mix of experiences how old were you at this point roughly so this is only a couple of years ago so kind of 37 oh, okay. yeah so 37 yeah. i've so, just given your age away that's fine yeah, no. yeah. um so <laughs> uh and and so you know definitely looked around for kind of full-time jobs nothing nothing felt like it kind of was was quite right other than just kind of going back into strategy which is what what i've done before and i was like no no i've had a, a good year or so i feel like i could do do more so i ended up setting up on my own. I just thought, well, look, if, if, if not now, then when? And so I set up a business, which in the end became the GrowthWorks and, and really had a focus on helping other startups become a bit more strategic and, and scale quickly. So sitting alongside a founder and his team and saying, well, look, you know, how's the team doing? How are you growing? Are you delivering what you need for customers? Are you spending money the right way? Are your investors happy? And so found just met dozens of really interesting, innovative startups at that time. Um, a few of which, thankfully, paid me for my time and 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 wanted that assistance. And then at the same time, I worked back in the hotel chains, and so I was back at IHG for a while, running strategy for their channels organization, so how they distribute, how they sell on their own site, and through apps and call centers. And then in the end, still as a contractor, but running strategy for the commercial and technology arm of the business, which was really interesting. So again, looking at how big companies think about tech, and, and I think. As the downturn hit, we were just getting into something really interesting, which is actually how do you bring the two together? How do you help big companies in hospitality and travel take advantage of this innovative energy that's out there in these thousands of smaller businesses? And so we were kind of setting up um, innovation tests and experiments and setting up a bit of a partnership hubs in, in IHG. But at that point, again, kind of bringing us right up to date, the pandemic hit. They obviously had to pause that along with you know, a, a, a big program of furloughs and redundancies, unfortunately. So a lot of our yeah. innovation stuff got paused. And so, you know, for the growth works, it's been a pretty quiet year or so. I still do a bit of consulting with um, kind of private equity and, and some of the hotel chains and big holiday cottage um, companies around what they're doing to come out of the crisis. But my my passion has really been, yeah, this this business we're going to talk about now called Atollo, which which started as a free mentoring service. I mean, we just saw senior people in the industry who had seen downturns come and go, you know, whether they dealt with SARS and bird flu or an Icelandic ash cloud or a financial crash. Yeah, yeah. you know, Hospitalities had had downturns before. Turns out nothing quite like this. But there, mm. te- there remained this optimism among people who had seen crises come and go that people would travel again and that it took a different set of skills to get out of a crisis, but it could be done. Whereas I think you saw a lot of people who, anyone who'd been in the industry less than 10 years, well, they'd never seen a crisis before. But, you know, revenue management, sales, marketing, HR in a crisis is completely different to a company that's growing its budgets each year and growing its, growing its you know, revenues. And so the idea of mentorship just seemed to make sense. Why not connect all these people together in one place? So we just set up a Slack channel, you know, a, bit, a bit like a giant WhatsApp group and just got people chatting. Off the back of that, we managed to secure some Innovate UK funding, which is a big new 
competition in the UK for government grants for sustainable and innovative businesses. Um, and so we've had a year to do some research, do some development and build what is now called a Tolo, which is at its heart is a, a platform that's designed to unlock the power of mentoring for the industry. You know, the, the vision is you know, thousands of people giving up just an hour or two a month. We then we then take that valuable time and we put it into masterclasses and programs and one-off events or one-to-one mentoring. And we bring in thousands of people who want to hear those stories and get that guidance and start to help the industry come together to think, well, what ideas, what solutions, what support can we give each other and, and, and learn together as we rebuild the industry? So that's, that brings us up to date. So it's been a, yeah, an interesting journey to reflect on, really. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think the, the interesting thing, going back to the, the beginning uh, of your journey before we go on to the future, you, you commented about uh, around the fact that, you know, there was it a clear plan or was it, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, I'll just kind of go with it. And I think that's, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. I think it is the, the you know, ultimately the, the answer to that is that the, there's X amount of people that have a plan and X amount of people who don't. But the thing about hospitality is, is that good stuff can happen to you if you just kind of get your head down and crack on. Yeah. And opportunity always presents itself. Um, and I suppose that's the, the same in anything. If you're, if your attitude's in the right place, then good things tend to happen to you. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And and again, I feel like I've had hundreds of conversations with mentors around the industry, and and I've you know just picked up so much great advice that I'm uh, you know I, now my job to share. But I think it's it's an industry of millions of very small organisations, and so there's loads of opportunity to rise to the top of those small organisations, right? Yeah, you know, really mm. master the job in front of you, and if you can do that at the same time as keeping one eye on what else is going on, what else there is in the industry, keep that network going, keep those conversations going, then you can start to kind of jump at the right time from business to business into new challenges and bigger roles. And I think especially when you're in a bigger business, they really do let you try new things as long as you know, you've got the right approach and you've got the right attitude and you're, you're showing the right values and, and you, yeah. you, you seem to be doing a good job. And I, and, I'm, and I think hospitality does have a uniqueness about it. I think it is more democratic and, and open to that than the many industries I've seen. And, and I think it's one of the reasons why it, so many people build a really long career in hospitality because they feel like every couple of years they're, they're almost starting a new trade or they're starting a new career. And, um, yeah, when you when you look back over 15, 20 years, you suddenly realize how different things are to, to where you started. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've also had the benefit of working for big brand and small startup and small entrepreneurial led businesses. And I, I think if you get that in your career, it's it can really help form your identity as to what you, you kind of really click with more. Yeah. And, you know, I think equally, you mentioned a, quite an interesting thought popped into my head as you were talking about the likes of IHG, obviously a massive brand who pump a lot of time and effort into f- trying to figure out innovations and, uh, and and things like that. And I think the perception of big brands sometimes is, is that they can be quite clunky and uh, you know it takes them three billion years to change direction, et cetera, et cetera. But in actual fact, my experience is, is that within any big brand, there are still lots and lots of entrepreneurs just kind of you know trying to 
innovate and do the best that they can with the tools that they've got. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think that idea of intrapreneurship, right, where you're inside a company and you're the one trying new stuff and trying to break down the rules and, and walls, that, that's really common now. Acting like an entrepreneur inside a big business is such a sought-after skill. And again, I mm. think that's a lovely way to think about bringing together these different pieces of hospitality, you know, the, the, the more traditional corporates with this startup energy. I think I think not a lot of people realize that both of those sides of the business want each other's skills. You know, when you're in a startup, you love people who've come from the more classically trained, you know, front line of corporate because they they get what those customers need. They get how they operate. But if you're in a corporate, you love the startup energy because you know that they're going to bring a kind of uh, a freshness. So I think there is something. I do think, again, I've spent a lot of time with kind of people, you know, starting off in the industry, getting getting a big name on your CV early on is a great flag if you can do it. Because I think, yeah. you're, you know, if you've ever worked at a Hilton or an Expedia, you know, uh, people will always come back to that. Perhaps, you know, r- well, whether it's right or wrong, you know, they will inevitably make assumptions that you've got a great level of training, you're of a certain caliber. So I, I got lucky. I don't think anyone told me that. Um, but maybe I kind of picked <laughs> it up during my my recruitment days when you could see people who had started off in big companies, then had a lot more freedom, I think, to try things later. And they could always fall back on the fact that, hey, I've worked with these big guys. So I, I would recommend that. But again, i can't recommend startup life enough but for me perhaps startup life is something people do after they've done a couple of years and almost kind of banked that time in a in a in a bigger more established company it's almost almost consider it kind of finishing your schooling if you like yeah absolutely i um i had no idea that you um you were uh, born on the uh, the isle of wight or born and bred yeah so just yeah so we moved there probably we were kind of nine or ten after yeah kind of of living all over the uk i I loved it i'm I'm very sad that my mum unfortunately moved away kind of while i was at uni so it's not now a place i head back to that often with the family which is a shame because it's such a it's a cool little place yeah a little bit a little bit kind of trapped in time perhaps but actually that's got there's something really nice about that as well some charm around that yeah Mm, mm. i um i also nearly got killed there um so there we are how did that that happen (laughs) tell tell us that story that was um we were there for uh i can't remember what year this would have been it would have been around about 2001 or two i think and i was on ships that was my career at the time i was working with piano cruises and a lot of people who worked for piano cruises had based their lives around southampton yeah there or thereabouts and so a lot of people liked to retreat to the the Isle of Wight as their place to live. So we used to go and visit people there all the time. There was one weekend that we were there, the the European Powerboat Championship was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a massive, massive weekend uh, for the, the island. And, you know, the s- sky were there, you know, massive TV coverage, uh, the whole shebang. We went out onto the course, as you were allowed to do, uh, in a rib, a uh, rigid inflatable boat. And basically, the the marshals missed us, and we were slap bang in the middle of a corner. Basically, that these things that bomb along at you know eighty ninety miles an hour uh, were going to turn directly onto us. Basically, and so actually, my one of my claim to fame with uh, celebrities is is that uh, Damon Hill was actually driving a boat, the old Formula One driver, and. Um, because he nearly turned onto us, he flicked us the V's as uh, as he was going past. Thankfully, that's all that happened to us. But there was a moment where we saw these things turning and thinking, hang on, we're not supposed to be here. 
And so my mate who we were visiting, who had the boat, went and tore a strip off the marshals afterwards to say, why why didn't you tell us that we were in the wrong place? Yeah. Yeah, but there was a, a moment where I've actually got a photograph whereby there's a, a power boat, which is probably about, I don't know, about 30 metres away, which doesn't sound that close. But when it's bombing along at that speed, I literally thought this thing was going to just go over the top of us. Yeah, yeah. I remember, well, I can picture exactly where you are, kind of on, on Cow's, yeah, just off Cow's Beach. Uh, that's yeah. one of my favourite weekends of the year. I used to love that powerboat weekend. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, glad so that's my experience here. of Cow's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had, it was such a great weekend, though. I mean, beyond that, the um, there was a music festival in the evening. It was just... Just yeah. a wonderful place to be, and and the the energy was positive. It was just you know very festival atmosphere. Yeah, uh, about the place. It's a really interesting place. I mean, it, again, it, it kept, if you only went there in the summer, you know there were shops and pubs and bars that just didn't exist in the winter. I remember for a while, most shops in Cowes only only opened three days a week during the winter. That's how different it was. And then suddenly everything, you know, the concept of pop up shops and um, bars, I think, kind of started in places like that because just yeah, yeah the population just well, innovation again. Grew. Yeah, there you go, there you go. It comes yeah. from small businesses, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk about Otolo. Where where does the name come from? We we were really keen to give it a name that wasn't derived from the word hospitality, <laughs> and right. uh, you know anything about. Yeah, anything too cheesy about development and mentoring and leadership. So uh, we had this huge list of names, spent, spent a long time on it, but it actually comes from comes from the um, kind of Italian or Latin for atoll, uh, which is, um, to elevate, really, you know, kind of group, okay. of, a group of islands is an atoll, but it also means to elevate. And it also has a nice ring with atology, which is the science of listening. So I like to think you know, that kind of elevating others, supporting others, and then this kind of idea of active listening, those really are the, the two pillars of mentoring. So, yeah, just kind of say that is a, a, an absolute fundamental of a, a good mentor, I yeah. would imagine. Yeah, exactly. And also just thought it kind of looks quite nice. It's written down and it sounds quite fun. I quite like it, having a name that not everyone can pronounce because it kind of makes it stick in your mind a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. Well, I had uh, I was out in cold sweats that I was getting the pronunciation right uh, as we we started this, but uh, <laughs> you did great. But you're right. It's memorable. Yeah. for for all the right reasons. I hope so. Um, who have you got on board so far? Yeah, so we um, I mean, we've got about thirteen hundred people who have signed up, and around about a hundred of them are mentors, and the others have just kind of come along either as individuals or because their their kind of hotel companies recommended them. So we've got. We've got just just a fascinating range of of mentors. Everything from kind of the VP of luxury brands at Marriott to people who have led digital transformation in, and innovation at places like Hilton and Marriott. We've got people who run finance and technology, IHG and Hyatt. Lots of people as well who've moved from the big companies into doing their own thing, either in coaching or um, in developing others, or, or frankly running their own consultancy. So a really nice blend. We're in about sixty countries around the world. So, so yeah, really nice base of mentors. And what they all have in common is they're all really passionate about development, developing others, but they're also still really conscious that they're still learning. And I think that makes the best mentor if you've got that yeah. that approach that, hey, I, my learning's never finished. There's always going to be new ideas I can be exposed to. How can I be part of something where where I learn as much? And, and I think when mentoring is mutual, that's that's when it works the best. And then on the client side, what's great is that we've had we've managed to open doors maybe because of the concept, maybe because of everything that's going on. So we're in pilot at the moment with, with Marriott and Hilton. 
got some of the hotels and, and regions involved with with IHG and Hyatt, um, with Accor have got live. And and it's all around the world as well. So we've got we've got programs running in you know New York and the US, we've got you know, programs running in South Africa and across Europe, we've got programs running around the Maldives and down in Australia. So really nice mix of people. So yeah, my, my hope is that obviously summer's gonna be crazy. You know, I think in, in hospitality in summer right now, you're either working or you are on holiday. <laughs> yeah, the idea, yeah. I don't think a lot of people are waking up and thinking, well, let me go and spend an hour mentoring this week. But I think as September rolls around, as the universities come back, as we work with a lot of young people as well, and the hotel chains start to think again, okay, we're getting back to some kind of normal, I think people will turn again to development, engagement, productivity, innovation. And I think that I genuinely think mentoring is, is going to be really disruptive as a way that people learn and collaborate and um, work on their work on their careers. So I'm really, really optimistic that we're at the start of something, something quite, quite special for the industry. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm completely on board with you, because I, I think the other thing that I've really noticed about it is, is that there's just this wonderfully positive vibe about about what you're doing it's um you know everything is upbeat and it's kind of focused on the the good stuff you know rather than obviously all the the negative stuff that we hear in the headlines these days yeah i think i'm thanks for spotting that i think i think we really do want to be somewhere where people come to have their you know kind of problems solved and to tackle fresh opportunities i think that is a big thing of it i think look it's it's not all rosy you know we've run really impactful events on on mental health and I think it's just about giving people a platform where they know where the experts are, right? So we had three amazing speakers on mental health. And I think it just started to open up the conversation that if you're not okay, that's that's okay and more common than you think. But as long as you start to know where you can go to for support, I think that's that's part of the story. So I think in time, you know, again, right now our sole focus is mentoring. It's just about connecting people who who can support and guide each other. But I think in time, we do really see ourselves as more of a community where we can just celebrate the best of what's going on in hospitality. You know, we don't want to, we know we won't be the only mentoring program or the only, you know, kind of group of people giving back. But if we can start to become somewhere where people understand that, you know, you can access other resources like your springboards or hospitality actions or, you know, where, where to go for different sources of information and bits of insight. I think that's great too. So yeah, wrapping it up in something that does feel approachable you know that the young yep. people in, in particular really want to get involved in that yeah people who've been in the industry a while feel like yeah you know what i can give back but i can also learn something too i think i think people do really want to be a part of something and i think that definitely started as hotels started shutting and people were, were stuck at home you know we, we got a lot of momentum really fast but the fact that we're still growing and getting such involvement tells me that that need to stay connected around the world that need to you know be on top of what's happening right now and what might happen next I think yeah, a good percentage of people who work in hospitality will keep that mindset, and that I think that's really optimistic for the industry. Yeah, absolutely, and I think uh, you know that on the back of what we've all just been through, and our, you know, to some extent, we're still not through the other side yet. But um, there has been definitely this feeling that the industry has united more than it ever has done before you know common things that need to be fixed common goals common objectives and that's really really encouraging because let's face it i mean there's still an awful lot of challenges out there that we need to get past yeah 
I think that's I think that's right. I think hospitality has always been pretty good like that. You know, whenever I've spoken to GMs in the past, you know, if you're a GM in London, you know, you've got a pretty good network of of, of other general managers and you kind of collaborate with them on a you know respectful basis where you, you you definitely know you're competing, but there's areas where you can help each other. But you're right, nothing like we've seen now. And I think we need to anyone who's still left thinking, you know, going, hey, I'm special, I'm different, I can do this on my own is and i've been in businesses like that they've got it completely wrong you know the 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 challenges that we're seeing our mentors and mentees and our clients solving in the us provide such valuable lessons because in many ways they kept traveling in many ways they're, they're opening up faster well if i was you know working in a hotel in london or you know paris or cape town i'd want to tap into what's going on in new york and atlanta and try and understand what you know what what speed is business travel coming back what are you doing around this kind of staycation trend and i think that level of collaboration especially across borders where you know you're not competing for the same guests i think is huge um and, and one of the kind of things that i've thought about this week is we, we're gaining a real momentum in resorts randomly but of course it makes such sense because if you're you know if you you're heading off to a resort for a couple of years you probably feel a little bit disconnected you know, from from yeah. what else is going on and what's happening. But again, you're solving really similar problems. So so we're getting a lot of momentum. And, you know, we chat to people in, the, in Mauritius, across the Caribbean, in Southeast Asia, and in uh, the Maldives, who are just like, yeah, wow. actually, if we can start to connect different general managers, HR leaders, revenue managers, marketeers, across resorts, for example, suddenly you can start to build this, this shared kind of base of knowledge and and these kind of communities, almost like micro communities within Atollo. So yeah, absolutely loads going on. And I think what the other thing with Atollo is it, it's going to be what people make of it. So we certainly we work behind the scenes with the uh, half people and half technology approach to mentoring. We do a lot around matching and making sure that it's working. But actually, yeah, we see 10, 20% of our people who you know, our members who don't need any help at all. They they are just reaching out to new people because the resource is there. And that's yeah. and that's something we really want to keep encouraging as well for people who are proactive so, and want to get on with it. So people can effectively use the platform to network uh, as much as find, uh, seeking out me- mentorship. Yeah, exactly right. It's it's really easy to get started. It's just people you know, create their own profile. It's, it's myatolo.com. You know, you put in what you want to learn about. You put in kind of why you're there. You put in you know, what skills you want to develop, but also what skills you know a little bit about. And then that goes into, you know, our big data set. But but you know, it looks like any other social network. So you can jump onto the Meet People page and you can search and filter by you know, what countries and what skills and what mentorship experience people have got. And then you can meet anyone around the world and just, just drop them a message. But then we do also have a separate section, which is more mentoring, which is actually, hey, we've, we've vetted around about 100 of these people as mentors. Not to say everyone can't mentor and everyone doesn't have something to offer, but we've, we've taken you know, this group of industry experts, kind of tested them, given them a bit of training, and now they're kind of elevated to mentor status. And yet we, we encourage people to connect with them themselves. But we recognize that not everyone is that confident or in a place where they're feeling like they, they could just kind of connect to a senior leader at a, at a, at a big brand. So we also create a lot of events and um, we do what we call masterclasses where basically a mentor will lead a discussion for an hour. They'll do a bit of an intro and, and hear from everyone why they're there and what challenge everyone's facing. They'll share their story, you know, a mixture of stories from their career for about 20 minutes on a topic. And then they'll finish with a, a discussion and the group will just kind of share ideas, collaborate, think about what, 
what each of them needs to do next on their own individual journeys. So we're trying to create these little micro mentoring moments, really, where even if you don't feel like, um, you know, you want to go on a six month mentoring mission with someone or reach out to a stranger, you can still drop in and out and get something that's hopefully really you know, better than watching a video and probably more yeah. efficient than going sitting in a classroom for a day, but just tapping into all this knowledge from around the industry. So yeah, it seems to be, we're still, we're still trying things. We definitely don't get it right every time, but that's, that's, the, that's the approach we, we seem to be honing in on. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so much knowledge around the industry in so many different areas, notwithstanding, you know, dealing with crises, crises, crises. That's a, a good word to try and get out on a Wednesday <laughs> morning. But, uh, you know, so many other things. I mean, you know, day-to-day operations, finance, marketing, you, you name it. I mean, there's, there's pretty much beyond any innovation, there's so many things that people have seen. So being able to tap into to a resource like that, I can imagine, is is incredibly powerful. Yeah, I think so. I think I think it seems that seems to be the way it's going. And and I think some of those functional skills, like how to do marketing in a recovery, or you know, revenue management, looking switching more to kind of forward looking data than historic data. Some of those functional skills we definitely see popping up. But the biggest thing I think we're seeing is actually on what I think is rather lazily worded the softer skills. You know, those those critical career skills really which is you know we've got um, groups popping up on women leading in hospitality you know and, and and the particular challenges and opportunities of you know kind of female leadership and, and championing that we've got a lot going on on how to how to do your first management role you know again kind of working with one of our clients who's saying look we've just had to strip out that kind of supervisor level uh, you know on property and our restaurants and our hotels so people go from being a you know, uh, working, waiting or on a front desk to suddenly being a manager. Well, you know, loads of people have been on that journey. So we've, we've set up kind of courses or plans, as we call them, that just expose you to mentors who really want to share their stories in that space. So I think that and then and then, of course, you know, just getting into hospitality is something I think you and I are both really passionate, Phil. So we've set up a, a mentoring plan literally called Starting Your Career in Hospitality in 2021, which covers everything from, you know, networking and interviewing and LinkedIn profiles to actually just what kind of roles are there and what are the expectations in different in different roles. So it's yeah. just such a mixed bag. Um, but we're trying to be really responsive to what people are asking for and showing interest in. I, I don't have all the answers. You know, we're, we're lucky to have our mentors throwing ideas at us. We're lucky to have our clients and our members throwing ideas at us. So we'll just, yeah, we'll just see where, where the energy is and um, we'll, try and, we'll try and adapt our approach to mentoring so that it's got something for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that point you made there about soft skills, I, I, would, I always argue that the soft skills are the greatest skills that you can ever have in your life. Everything else is a, a kind of technical skill around X, Y, Z. But um, but the soft skills, in your case, you would have learned knocking on all those doors probably all all the way back at the beginning of your career. Yeah, I'm sure that's right. I'm sure that's right. Just and 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 that's that's another I guess another challenge of mentoring is that you can't. It's not teaching, right? You can't you can't sit down with someone for an hour and they leave more resilient, right? Sometimes it is just yeah. Sometimes it is just offering your guidance and your thoughts on what they're working on or, or facing. And then it's sharing your story of how you've dealt with something similar. But ultimately, the, the accountability is on them. If, if you want to become more resilient, you have to figure out 
the two or three things you need to do differently that means you do face a bit more adversity and, and develop the coping mechanisms for it so yeah i i agree sometimes it, it is going to be tough in hospitality but there's so much to learn we've just got to get out there start serving guests and figuring out what's what's coming next for the industry and uh and and taking care of each other we've just got to keep talking to each other and learning from people who've been there before Absolutely. I, um, I always talk about the fact that, um, that the, there are always tough moments in any career path that you decide to take, but actually the best learning that you get is on the other side of that. Yep. So a lot of people will just, that's too tough, I'm going to go. But actually, as long as you're always willing to ask for help, I think help is mostly given uh, in this industry. There's always going to be circumstances and, and situations that are individual, but the, the best learning that you can get is on the other side of adversity, usually. Yeah, yeah. I think you're actually, I think you make, you make two great points there, right? One is kind of a little bit kind of running through walls and, and facing the challenges in front of you. But the other is speaking up. And I think sometimes it's speaking up directly to your line manager. We know, unfortunately, that, that doesn't always work, but it's a great port of call. I, I find, you know, I, I'm definitely learning a lot about leading people as I put together a small team. And it's so easy to forget to communicate, right? To share what's on your mind, to share if someone's not getting something quite quite how you wanted it, or if, if I know that I'm winding someone up the wrong way, just taking that moment to, to check in, I think is something we don't do often enough. But I think what's what I love about Atollo is it 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 almost creates like a secret network in your pocket. So if you can't get the answers you need off your line manager, or if you just don't feel like you know, if you feel like you might look a bit stupid or you don't quite want to speak up at work that way, you do suddenly have this network in your pocket that you could just ask a question of. And 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 whether that be kind of written or, or picking up a phone or attending an event, you suddenly have these people to get guidance from and sense check what you're working on. And I think that that's why I encourage more than anything else is that people constantly seek advice on what they're working on because you just learn so much faster so much mm. the, the amount of time i've wasted in my career feeling like i've got to have all the answers or tackle things myself whereas pretty much everyone is willing to share um, yeah. and, and pass on what they've learned they're doing it to help you but it also helps them people love sharing what they've learned and sharing their stories and i think that's why mentorship is so much more powerful than perhaps we've all thought in the past where it's just you know grabbing a bit of time with someone on a regular basis and may work it may not i think actually if you organize mentoring and you put some smart tech behind it so you can kind of track what works and what doesn't i think it's i think it's a huge development opportunity for the industry especially such a people-focused business yeah absolutely and we well we need all the help we can get in in attracting people in right now uh, on the back of covid I'd, I'd, we were talking before we switched the microphone on around i'd uh, read a statistic recently that said that something like 27 percent of all hospitality uh, workers are, are currently what we're dealing with. That's that's the workforce that we're that, that we've got to handle all of the the things that are reopening and becoming very very busy, and that you know that's happened for multiple dif different reasons. But we have to be better at attracting people in. Yeah, absolutely right, absolutely right. And I, and I think you know I don't blame people who are not up for hospitality right now you know knowing how fast the industry can be shut down and how unsta unstable that makes things for people i can absolutely i can absolutely see it so hopefully in the world around us things can get back to a little bit more normality but at the same time the opportunity to create experiences and serve other people if that's the way you're wired or you think it might be the way you're wired there is no better place to do it because 
the whole industry, accommodation, events, you know, dining and bars, even the supply chain, it's all built on serving others and creating experiences for others. And I yeah. also think that it's tough in those first couple of years where it is you know, longer hours and lower pay. And I've definitely been there too, and it's a tough environment. But if you can get through it, and by the way, I don't think it's any easier in the first couple of years of any other industry, right? I think most industries yeah, have, yeah, a, yeah. have a couple of years of very hard work and quite low pay. But if you can get beyond that, I don't think there's anything as diverse as hospitality. You know, you can travel the world, you can try marketing or HR or technology or stick with operations. You know, you can create new menus, you can tack into food technology. There's just so much you can do in this. I think, you know, I think people still say, well, it's the world's biggest industry when it's when it's at full throttle, 300 million people, like there is a lot of great stuff you can do in hospitality. And I, and I guess we've got to carry the torch. And that's why hopefully our mentors can help. Just reminding people that there's so much more to shoot for. There's so much more this industry has to offer than yep. you know, this particular job waiting tables, or this particular job checking people in or cleaning rooms. Like if you can get through this and take it as a lesson and take it as experience and meet interesting people, then there is so much more still to come. Absolutely. And I was uh, I did a, a thing yesterday for the Institute of Hospitality and we were talking about the fact that, you know, that there's hidden pockets of hospitality that people don't consider to be hospitality, but but they still are, you know. I mean, the uh take a theatre as mm-hmm. an example. And I hadn't even considered this. And I have a a a wife who hails from the the theatre world. But you know, they're they're offering hospitality as soon as you walk through the door. You're you're going into their home basically. It just so happens that their home has a few more seats than the average home, uh, and a stage. Um, I think if you have a stage in your home, you might be a little bit egocentric. But um, but anyway, all of these things, venues, sports, arenas, you know, you kind of name it. Anywhere where food and drink is involved, or the welcoming of somebody into your premises, you know, that's hospitality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all of these things create jobs and they create career paths for people and and you yep. may and, and i think i think it is i think i probably didn't appreciate it at the time but it is those early years that show you you know keep your eyes open and show you how much else there is that you can do right and it, again you may just learn the lesson think well oh, gee, i never want to do that again and that's that, there's still a lesson there right yeah. but but you may realize you know we, we see a lot of people setting up their own businesses because they've spotted problems right they they worked in operations for a while they worked at, uh, on the front line of hospitality they think oh there's a better way to do this so just i'm just going to set up my own business and do it differently and suddenly you're an entrepreneur and, and you're, you're you're in the the, the big world of the supplier ecosystem of hospitality. And that's that's a really exciting collaborative space as well. So absolutely, it really, it really does feel endless. And I just, again, we, it's that classic thing, isn't it? We're probably shouting each other loudly in agreement. And I'm sure people listening are probably like, <laughs> yeah, that's what we think as well. It, the challenge is how do we take that message to you know, the next million people across the UK or 100 million people around the yeah. world and say at high schools, at universities, people who are going straight into work, apprenticeships, right, come on. You know, hospitality is the place you need to come. You know, you'll never regret starting that journey in hospitality. Even if you leave it again, the fact that you've spent um, a bit of time learning what people want and how to serve and how to look after guests and customers, like that, that is that sought after in every industry, right? Look at mm. you know, banking and retail, they're all trying to be more customer centric. And, and that's what we've been doing for generations. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that uh, in, there's still hospitality in a bank. 
Yeah. Because you know, I'd actually spoken to somebody previously around the fact that they they're a hospitality training company, but they were retained by financial services to deliver customer training to to their um, their teams because you know you don't want to go in and even if you're just cashing a check if people even still do that do they even still do that i don't know yeah i just um, found, i just found out that yeah my uh, my uh, my banking app you can now take a picture of your check but i think the point still remains the same and, and i think a lot of hospitality has shifted to call centers as well right and i found that when i was um you know a hostmaker doing you know airbnb management you know we were trying to train our call center people in hospitality because suddenly these jobs of answering calls and checking people in and dealing with people's reservations it was all it was all remote but it, they, they still needed that basic hospitality skills we yeah. um and we actually, we're really lucky. Some of our early partners were the Swiss hotel schools. So we, we kind of retained by um, Gleon and La Roche. And we actually run mentoring programs for people who are on their masters and for people who are, are their alumni. Oh, yeah. and, and something like half of their people don't end up in hospitality. So we, we, we've chatted to mentors who work at, you know, Tesla and Google and Waze and some of these really fascinating businesses. But they were trained in hospitality and, and they got sought after by these by these real innovators in, in other industries because they mm. wanted that they wanted that kind of SOS mindset of like I can just get up and solve problems today. They wanted that service attitude of look, I, I know how to keep customers happy. And there's yeah, it's just something about that that mindset that we, we've got to keep keep promoting and, and championing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you and I are absolutely on the same page in terms of uh, kind of championing the, the industry as loudly as we can that's ultimately why the podcast exists in the first place and ultimately you know i guess why you you've created this platform to just to raise the bar a little bit on on your particular area yeah and uh, and that you know positivity comes with that it, it can take time but um i i believe we if we all keep chipping away positively at the problem um and rather than continuing to focus on the negative which i think you know, the, the lovely mainstream media like to keep reminding us of. With, let's be frank, little pockets of issues, they're not the overriding issues that um, the industries have to deal with day in, day out. You know, with enough minds and hearts that, that do that, uh, you know, we can make a, a big, big change. Yep. I agree. I agree. I think collaboration's at the heart of it, right? There's a lot of great people in the UK championing hospitality. So the more that we can you know, work on common projects and spend time together on, on and, and join as one voice and the better. Obviously people have been doing a great job of that. Um, but the same is true around the world. You know, we need to yeah. we need to support support the industry as a whole and then we need to support the people who work in it. And then we need to show those people who work in it that there are some fantastic opportunities to develop. And and the approach we've taken at Atollo is that's going to come through what we loosely call mentorship, which is that if you've got stories to tell and journeys you've been on, you know, it's your job now to share those and, and, mm. and make a big song and dance about what you've learned and what you've seen to inspire and encourage and guide others. And that's, that's the core of the platform. Yeah. So in your career so far, any stories that you have that you'd like to share with us that uh, were amusing or terrifying or anything of the like? Yeah, I mean, certainly I've definitely spent some time on the front line and any days and and weeks spent in cafes and hotels are always great, great stories about customers. But I think sometimes spending too much time in a head office means that, you know, there's not many funny stories about 
committees and powerpoints but um yeah. i um <laughs> oh there was that one time there was a power cut That's, exactly yeah exactly wow I, yeah I, but i think the i think like the, the craziest the craziest 24 hours i've had in, in in my career was a trip i made down to lisbon when i was working at hostmaker so we we'd, we'd been operating the city for about a year i think we had about 200 homes under management so it's time for it to graduate from kind of a new city into one of our kind of core core cities and so I went down to kind of help help the team a little bit with you know performance and HR and, and growth but also to celebrate graduating if you like with a, with a small party and and it was <laughs> it's challenging managing a lot of homes in a city and I have to say the apartment wasn't great I think I uh, uh it didn't we didn't have an iron so I didn't have a clean shirt the next day I actually right. I actually went for a couple of drinks and came back and I, I locked myself out and I don't know if you ever. I don't know if you ever that moment when a key is in a lock and you don't think it's going to open, you get into a blind panic. And I must have obviously done something that was then three times as aggressive or three times as hard because the door did pop open, but I'd managed to slice open my hand. So here, I, so here I was, just in this apartment, just absolutely, you know, just thinking, bloody hell, what, what, you know, it's going to be a bit of a mess. And then uh, it got a little bit worse because the CEO of the business was supposed to fly down the next day for a couple of events, missed his flight. So, so here I was suddenly then thrown into a bit of the limelight a little bit at these two events the next day. Mm. Um, at that point, I realized I didn't have my, you know, I, was, I was traveling a lot. So I, I thought I had my system down, but I didn't have my wash bag. So there I was running around Lisbon where apparently everything shuts at seven, desperately searching for toothbrush and toothpaste and, you know, something to kind of keep, keep clean and smell fresh. Yeah. So it was a little bit manic, and the next so the next morning I was thrust. I was I was in this taxi, and I had two bits of paper. One was we were doing a breakfast with journalists to talk about the business and how we've been going for a year. So I was trying to learn the names of all these journalists and what they do. I was trying to learn all these facts about Lisbon, and then on the other piece of paper, it was it was Web Summit, which is a big technology event, and we'd been given kind of ten minutes or so on stage in front of about ten thousand people, supposedly for my boss. And now suddenly for me, and so I was literally writing a script about what the business is, what it does, you know, our growth plans, how we needed funding. And so I just had the craziest morning, unshaven, yesterday's shirt, bleeding hand, shaking like a leaf. I've just never done a big speech <laughs> like that before. And yeah. um, it was just, it was just um, really intense. And then to cap it all, I was already a bit, have you ever been just before we go on stage, your knees are really weak and you're shaking. He's like, I actually not going to be able to stand up. As I went backstage, which was super more professional than anything I've seen before. I think because it's such, such a big event. They said, Mm. Oh, you haven't got 10 minutes. You've actually got four minutes. And so this script that I thought I'd learned, I was suddenly like, well, I can't, I can't, I can't. So in the end, it was one of those moments where I, I, basically felt like I blacked out I think I actually had to watch it back on YouTube to believe it actually happened but I've got kind of thrust out on stage just just could barely stand you know kind of sick in my throat and just (laughs) just garbled on about for about four minutes until I saw the clock drop to zero and then just kind of shuffled off and I think I just just collapsed into a bar just I collapsed into a bar exactly right luckily I think it was free booze out the back but I just I was just it was just this roller coaster of a day where you just thought whatever could go wrong did go wrong. Again, looking back as ever, you know, what a what a great day. Like you know, such a great opportunity to be in front of a big crowd. And I you know, I've definitely kind of talked about it with people since as a really kind of real highlight. But yeah, that was a that was that was just such a crazy day. 
prepare, yeah. prepare better is definitely the rule. There. <laughs> well, but there's always going to be situations like that, isn't there, where you 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 know, things happen that you well maybe maybe you could have controlled it, but you know there are always things that happen that are out of your control, and it, you know for somebody to change the goalposts a few minutes before you go on, hardly ideal yeah. uh, in terms of keeping your mind in the right place, especially when you're already probably nervous. And you say that the that there's YouTube evidence of this, is there? Can we all go and watch it? <laughs> I think there is somewhere. I think there is somewhere. Yeah, I'm probably best we don't watch it. Yeah, I'm going to go and hunt that yeah, down now. You know, you're right. You do. I think you do. It, it's that it's that startup skill set. You know, you just you just end up tackling twenty different things a day until the point that it starts washing over you a little bit. You know, you just. Yeah you just end up being thrown into different situations doing interesting stuff so yeah no, no bad yeah everything's a lesson right it is good yeah. it's good in everything you do and I, and I definitely i would definitely recommend startup life to anyone who hasn't given it a go i think joining a smaller business where you get a chance to do some fun stuff have an impact you know try try a few new crazy things is, is a great thing to do for a while nowhere to hide um, but it's sometimes yeah. nice to go back to the safety of a bigger business where, you, where <laughs> events like that are set up months in advance, everything's carefully scripted and practiced, and you don't quite quite live by the seat of your pants in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the um, you do learn a lot about yourself in these moments when you're out of your depth. Yeah, exactly right. Or, or afterwards gonna, in the bar, as you say. That sounds like a T-shirt. Actually, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. So, um, what's what's the uh, the the next steps for Otolo? What's uh, the plan for the the future? Yeah, I think. Look, I mean, right now I'm getting to. I'm trying to turn it into a business that can stand on its own two feet. So, you know, yeah. we need to persuade that first 300 people or so to kind of that this is a membership that they would pay for each month you know it's really valuable having access to these mentors and this this these plans that we're pulling together that this is a really great way to develop people so that's yeah so frankly we're spending a lot of time on our product you know we're looking for um we're building an advisory board around each of our topics to make sure we're we're building really solid plans we're working with our clients to bring in people from all the big chains to start taking our mentorship plans in the same way they take a training course. So that's that's definitely, you know, kind of growth and the quality of what we do is our current obsession. I think, you know, I think we'll probably fundraise for the business. You know, we'll, range a, uh, we'll have a small round of angel investors who I think will kind of see the vision that we do. And I think we'd then use that extra funding to help, you know, grow our business a bit more and bring in new people and tell our story. I think we could build a I think, you know, we need to build better technology. Who doesn't? You know, I really want this to be a, a, a little app you can have in your pocket exactly when you need it, whereas at the moment it's a bit more of a, a website that you log into. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's continue on that journey, really, and then start sowing the seeds that, in a, you know, mentoring's the core and mentoring is, is this nice combination of human and tech and, you know, really does help people on their journeys, but also that it starts sowing the seed for a community, you know, so start getting some of our members to write their own articles and share their own stories and celebrate the industry so that we can start to really, yeah, achieve everything that you and I have just been chatting about, that you know, we, we, we continue to make hospitality aspirational to the people in it and the people who want to join it, and that we continue to equip people with the right ideas and um and, and kind of plans and options of where they could go next. So yeah. lots to do, you know, feeling really ambitious about it, but it's a, it's a huge global industry. And, and um, I think it's a really interesting space and it, it definitely feels like the right time. You know, if we, if we want to yeah. help and give back to an industry that, that everyone on the team has, has, has felt really passionate about for, 
many years. Now's now's the time and, and try and build that collective energy of the industry. Yeah. Here, here. Well, I, I, this little show is 100% behind you and uh, anything we can do to help, um, then you need to just ask. Yeah, thanks, Phil. I think we'll definitely uh, we'll we'll definitely get you coming in and sharing some of your stories at some point with the with the community. And um, yeah, I think you'd be, a, be awesome. a fabulous mentor when you have the time. It all comes down to time, really. If we need to make it efficient so that busy people like yourself can believe you, you know, with an hour a month, you can help a few people. Then suddenly it starts to become something that people can carve out the space for. I think. Yeah. No. No. I'm. I'm in. I'm all in. Cool. Uh, absolutely. Easy as that. If people do want to. Uh, touch base with you to to learn more about what you're you're doing and what you're trying to achieve what's the best method for them to do that yeah well yeah the, com- the community continues to be completely free to join so it's it's my atollo m-y-o-t-o-l-o.com my atollo.com um, people can create their own profiles once you're there you can drop me a message obviously you know james lemon i've got I've got a profile on there um you can there and apply to be a mentor or you can seek out um kind of menteeship if that's what you're looking for you know if people just want to learn a bit more um you know obviously i'm james at myatolo.com people want to drop me a note or find me on other channels like linkedin but start the conversation you know i, I think it uh, one of the things i've learned through mentoring and, and meeting a lot of really interesting people is everyone wants to hear from everyone ultimately is the, is the message in the industry right now there's probably no one that i wouldn't kind of take a call with to understand a bit more about what what they're working on what they want to do next how they think they can help the industry how they think they could give back or how they think they could learn so yeah i encourage anyone to take that first step i know people say it a lot and not many do but but you know maybe now's the time take the action drop me a note join the community do something different and uh and start start a different path to your journey fantastic well that's great well thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing your story and yeah excited to see what happens next and uh, i'll be monitoring your progress big time thanks phil it's been lovely to kind of share it with you and uh yeah appreciate the invite and keep up the great work i think it's a it's a really fabulous show and a great a great platform for for the industry oh thank you that's very very kind and uh, yeah, well, let's just keep scratching each other's backs then. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Speak soon. Nice one. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. And there we have it. It's clear that James has founded a powerful platform for the industry and there are already some amazing people involved from the world of hospitality. Head over to myotolo.com to get yourself signed up. Don't forget, we'll be back at 8pm next Wednesday with more stories from hospitality. But until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.